The small town of Hillsboro sits at the bottom of a valley, surrounded by steep wooded hills. It's probably not what comes to mind when you think of southern Wisconsin. These woods are scattered with boulders, cliffs, and caves. Growing up in Hillsboro, this terrain was Steve Stanick's playground. Back when I was a kid, there was no such thing as no trespassing. You could go anywhere you wanted to, out on the country or, or whatever. We'd explore the woods and the hills. And there's a, a large bluff that towers above Hillsborough. I guess that'd be its eastern side. And it didn't really have a name. I don't think it ever has, but we called it Spook Bluff. One day, when Steve was 13, he and some friends were exploring the woods on top of Spook Bluff. And we came down off one side of it and stopped at a farm to get a drink of water. And this enormous roar came out of the woods. Not a growl, not a bark, hiss, or screech, Steve says. A roar. It was loud, it was throaty, you know, deep. Unsure what he had just heard, Steve hurried home, a little shook up. Fast forward 20 years, and he's working as a reporter at a local newspaper. One of our typesetters, she was from uh, between Viroqua and Westby, and she's seen a large tan cougar on her property. I don't remember the specifics anymore, but that was the first one. And then, you know, when you hear of one, you become aware of another and another and another. Steve says once he asked around, the local sightings started flooding in and haven't stopped since. He's been on the cougar beat for over 30 years now. I've published over the years probably about 200 sightings. And I would say over 50% were black. The thing is, a black cougar has never been documented by wildlife biologists anywhere. There is no such thing as a black cougar. They don't exist. But are they here? Yes. This is Points North, a show about the land, water, and inhabitants of the Great Lakes. I'm Dan Wanshura. There are things we see and hear, and then there are the things that science can confirm. Well, this is a story about the tug of war between them, and how that tension might make it harder to find the truth. Today, reporter Patrick Shea takes us to Hillsboro, Wisconsin, where black wildcats are a part of local lore. We'll join Steve in his search for a creature that's not supposed to exist. Hidden gem is a term so overused that it's sort of lost its meaning. But I can't think of a better way to describe the Driftless area. During the last ice age, a chunk of land about the size of West Virginia was missed by the glaciers that leveled the rest of the Midwest. So instead of the flat farmland you'd expect, there are rocky bluffs and huge hills. As a flatlander, I'd call them borderline mountains. That's why Steve Stanek thinks it's a perfect place for wildcats. There's some pretty good-sized bluffs around here. Like along the river bottoms, there's a lot of ledges. There's, there's, there's a lot of marsh in this area. And so there's plenty of places for these things to build dams and to hide. To me, there's no mystery about this at all. I, I think they're year-round residents here and, and have always been. I, I think there's tons of evidence here. Steve wants to show me that evidence. First stop, Sue Wallace, who says she saw a black cougar right in her driveway a couple years ago. So we go for a drive. It's the middle of January, but it's been raining on and off. The melting snow turns to fog that seems to get tangled in the treetops. It's the kind of day when you'd expect to see something mysterious. Steve tells me Sue's a little nervous about being recorded. That's natural. But she agreed. 
probably because Steve is here. Everywhere we go, Steve gets a warm reception. People are glad he's reporting on these sightings because they're looking for an explanation. A lot of folks say they've seen these big black cats. And as we drive down a back road, winding through the hills, I peer into the fog, and then I see one too. Hey Steve, could you just could you describe to me what we're what we're looking at on the barn there? Well, in my opinion, it's a black jaguar. We're pulled over for a closer look at a wooden cutout of a huge black cat displayed along the side of an old white barn, a la Bigfoot. That's pretty cool. I didn't expect to see that. It seems like it's it's a cultural symbol like around here. It shows you how there's the notoriety of this area, especially this valley. There's been so many sightings here. Yeah. We turn onto a dirt driveway that runs up the middle of a ravine with wooded slopes rising up from both sides of the two track. This is Sue Wallace. This is Adam Shea, right? Patrick Shea. Patrick Shea. Close. Right. <laughs> Sue has lived in Hillsboro her whole life. And she's lived at this beautiful spot west of town for eight years, along with her husband, kids, cats, dogs, and some donkeys. Sue says a few months ago, her husband noticed the donkeys getting really riled up about something in the woods. And she has a guess at what it was. Because one November morning, before sunrise, Sue saw something she'll never forget. The truck was parked up there in between the two sheds. Okay. And then I had just backed it up down up on the driveway there and come down here and and then it just walked right in front of my headlights. She says a huge black cat slipped silently down the driveway, didn't even glance at her, and disappeared into the darkness. His tail just, you know, it swooped like this and it was a long tail, kind of a long body, decently sized. Yeah. <laughs> the dogs are getting I riled mean, up just hearing about it. I know. <laughs> I mean, the dog that we had in the house, like I said, was 120 pounds, and I thought for a quick second it might have been him, but then you see the, the tail on that um, lion. and oh, It was scary. <laughs> yep, I ended up sitting in the truck for about 10 minutes before I got out to come in the house, but yeah, it was pretty scary. Kind of cool, though, too. Steve tells me Sue is just one of hundreds of eyewitnesses near Hillsborough. At a nearby library, we head over to the computers to look at some video evidence. It was recorded on a local woman's cell phone just a few miles from here, and it shows a cat strolling along the roadside. Oh, look at this thing. It stares at her. Look how big it is compared to the shoulder of the road. The cat pauses, glances quickly at the camera, then slips into the tall grass. To me, it doesn't look that big. And though it's a grainy video... It seems like a regular tabby cat, but Steve doesn't think so. But look at that tail. Yeah, that is a long tail, but it looks to me like it has some stripes on it. It does, it? and that's what's really odd about it. It's also that it had green eyes and had long whiskers. And it stared at her just for a moment. There's much more Steve wants to show me. We head to the basement, where they keep archived newspapers, and he pulls out a series of articles from his 30 years of reporting on cougar sightings. Oh, okay. I, this is, what one is this? Yeah, I wonder if this is part one. 8 p.m. on the last day of May 1993, while doing chores yards away, I saw this big black cat, he reported. The creature was huge. I compare the size of the lion to a large dog and said it was stone black. 
barn. I stepped out of the barn, and here was this beautiful black glistening animal, Joanne revealed. Johnson really dashed funny. into his garage to grab his cell phone for photographic proof. By the time I got back out, it was gone, he said. I could hear it bounding away through the woods to the southeast. Now, remember, scientists have never documented a black mountain lion. So as Steve published sighting after sighting, he wondered what kind of cats these really were. He thought back to when he was 13 and heard that roar from the woods near Spook Bluff. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was loud, it was throaty, you know, deep. I can describe it exactly because the next time I heard it was my folks took us to the circus in Madison at the Coliseum and it was an African lion. I, it was the same roar. Mountain lions, a.k.a. pumas, cougars, or catamounts, they don't roar. They usually don't make much sound at all, but when they do, it's a sort of screech. In fact, there's only one wildcat native to the Western Hemisphere that roars at all. And that's a jaguar. And a jaguar would explain a lot. Okay, quick taxonomy break. Jaguars are in the same family as cougars, but a different genus. Panthera. And experts say they can have a melanistic phase, meaning the jet black fur that people are describing near Hillsboro. Steve believes jaguars and cougars started mating and have hybridized in the Driftless area. And even though the closest known jaguar population is in Mexico, Steve doesn't need something to officially exist to know it's there. You know, I, I don't know if you're, you're familiar with the term cryptozoology. I'm familiar with a lot of that stuff. It's, it's the study of uh, possibly unknown or, or out-of-place animals. Or as one dictionary puts it, cryptozoology, the study of creatures such as the Loch Ness Monster, whose existence has not been scientifically proven. Okay, I don't know for sure if there's such a thing as Sasquatch or not, but the one I, I give the most credence to are sea serpents. Steve says he also had a big flying saucer phase in his younger years, and that his whole jaguar beat comes from that lifelong fascination with the unknown or unacknowledged. But in the Midwest, wildcats sort of bridge the gap between crypto and actual zoology. There was a time when mountain lion wasn't really a fitting name for North America's most iconic wildcat. Cougars once lived all over the continent, not just in the mountains out west. But like so many other large predators, they were hunted aggressively starting in the 1800s and eradicated from most of the country. There hasn't been a breeding population in the Great Lakes region since the early 1900s, according to wildlife officials. But cougars are making a comeback. Slowly but surely, they're coming down from the mountains and moving east again. There's a breeding population back in the Dakotas and Nebraska after being gone for a century. And even the Wisconsin Department of Natural Resources has confirmed 15 cougar sightings over the past year. Six of those were in the Driftless area, not too far from Hillsboro. All of them tan, by the way. The department says those were all male cougars that walked more than 800 miles from South Dakota. These animals are very territorial, especially males, and they will travel huge distances in search of a mate. The DNR says they won't find one here. But how are the cougars supposed to know that? Now, you probably wouldn't know if you're seeing a male or female cougar at first glance. Researchers find that out later with DNA samples from scat or deer carcasses. But you'd think you'd be able to tell what color it is. 
I guess it was dark. Are you sure that it wasn't a tan lion? Like what? Oh no, it was it was the black one. I mean, he walked right in front of my headlights. Yeah. Of the truck. Yeah, I could definitely see what it was. Wow. So I, I guess if if you've heard from other people that they're here and they're seen in this area a lot, why do you think the the state hasn't acknowledged that they're around? Yeah, I don't. I guess I don't have an answer for that. But there's been many people that have s- spotted them. Sue Wallace might not have an answer, but Steve does. The only thing that makes a mystery out of these animals being here is the DNR. I believe they've live collared the black ones, along with the tan ones, and re-released them uh, with radio transmitters. Hmm. And then why, why wouldn't they want the public to know that they're here? It's because they don't want to reserve timberland. Because if this is an endanger, confirmed that it was an endangered resource, they would have to set land aside. Randy Johnson is a large carnivore specialist with the Wisconsin DNR. He says he's familiar with this theory. I mean, I don't know where exactly that stems from. I think it's probably a, a bigger issue of, of mistrust of government and conspiracy, that type of thing. But what I can say is obviously there's no, there's no, <laughs> there's no cover-up underway. We worked really hard, in fact, to share this information. The DNR has a website dedicated to cougar sightings. There are photos, a map of where the sightings were, a timeline of the DNR's response, and a place to file your own report. So uh, there's, there's really no cover-up when we have a, a web page dedicated to sharing information on them. Now, when it comes to the black cougars, Randy was careful not to rule it out entirely. I think scientifically speaking, there's no reason to think it's not possible. However, it's never been documented. It's never been documented in hunting records. It's never been documented through photographs. There's, there's no evidence of ever having a black phase mountain lion. However... Like I said, I, I think it is possible because there's, there's several species of cats that have a black face. And so, again, I never say never, right? <laughs> While Hillsboro seems to be a hotspot for alleged black cougar sightings, they're not limited to just Wisconsin. A large black cat in Copemish. But what kind of animal is it? The sighting was on Saturday at Twisted Trails Off-Road Park. 9 and 10's Meredith St. Henry explained... Last summer, someone got a photograph of a black feline creature in northern Michigan. And it went viral. Fast. If you do encounter this animal, the DNR warns, do not run. You want to uh, act as big as you can, you know, your full height, wave your arms. Uh, That's the Michigan DNR's Steve Griffith speaking to 9 and 10 News before the department investigated the sighting. But officials went to the location and upon further review said no cause for alarm. We have an update on this black cat that was seen in Copemish a couple of weeks ago. The DNR went out with the photographer who captured the photos of the black cat. For perspective, they reenacted the pictures, placing an item where the cat was spotted. Now they believe the cat is 20 to 30 inches long. With what they gathered, they do believe it's a house cat. So despite all that hype, there's still no hard evidence of a black cougar. Anywhere. And in Michigan, just like Wisconsin, there's been no evidence of a breeding population of even the verified tan cougars since the early 1900s. But that doesn't mean people stopped seeing them here, either. You know, my mom said she saw one. My uncle, you know, claims he saw one. And, um, you know, we just really never had any solid evidence. That's Brian Roll, a lifelong Michigander who's now a wildlife biologist and part of the DNR's cougar team. Any sighting that comes in or any report of it with evidence that comes in, that whole team reviews it 
Since the Cougar team's first year in 2008, the number of confirmed sightings has been trending up. And that doesn't necessarily mean there are more cougars, just more sightings. Now, I know one thing that has really probably increased our sighting rate is the availability and the use of trail cameras. They are just everywhere out in the woods. Geez, now they got them where you can, they send pictures to your cell phone. When the cougar team gets a picture that seems promising, they follow up in the field. Most of the team members have traveled to New Mexico and other western states to get trained in tracking these cats. They studied paw prints, scat, and the physical characteristics that separate cougars from animals often mistaken for them. I mean, there are, unfortunately, there are a lot of domestic cats that got submitted as mountain lions. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one person, like, showed me a video, and I'm not an, yeah. I'm not an expert, and I took one look at it, and I was like, that's like a house cat. Like, that's like, it's like yeah. light tan with, like, tabby stripes, and it's walking along oh, the Oh, yeah, we've side. had a calico even one time. I was like, all right, now come on. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like they do not come in calico. Yeah, yeah. And by and large, most of those are people that honestly, truly believe they saw a cougar. There are two different kinds of knowing when it comes to these wildcat sightings. There are eyewitness accounts, of which there's no shortage. And then there's the much smaller pool of sightings confirmed by scientists, with DNA proof or an unmistakable set of tracks. Different people value these kinds of knowing differently. But Brian says it's important for the experts to hear folks out. The Cougar team tries to be as transparent as possible in their interactions with eyewitnesses. But there's another kind of report that's muddying the water. So it's one of the weird things that, with all our other wildlife sighting and stuff, we we don't get people doing hoaxes. But with mountain lions, we do. Submitting pictures from other states. Um, We've had mounted cats placed out in the woods before. Uh, I know Wisconsin has had the same scenario, so it's kind of strange. Do you have any incidents of when someone did either mount one or send in a hoax that sticks out to you as sort of just, because to me it's bizarre. Like, what's the incentive? There is, there was, there is one that was done in, um, it was on a scene stretch. It was a woman, so she reported a cougar and had a picture of it, and then she took it from, from the car. She had a young daughter in, in her car with her. And her young daughter collaborated the story as well. Yet, what we found out was that the picture was actually shot in uh, Louisiana and was flipped. Just using, you know, Photoshop or whatever, they just inverted the picture and turned the cougar the other way. It just shocked me that she, one, went to that effort, but then actually involved her young child in the hoax. You know, that that's one that really stuck out in my mind. But we've had a handful of others that... Uh, people making their own tracks with their with their thumb. Seen that one. A lot of cougars from other states. So we'll actually Google cougar pictures, you know, cougar next to road and, and just do a global search. And then all of a sudden you're like, hey, that's the same picture. Brian says he's not sure why someone would do this. And neither am I. Sometimes people can be mysterious too. But as far as the misidentified sightings, I can see how that might happen. Except maybe the calico. Over the past few weeks, working on this story, I've become pretty obsessed with mountain lions. If something large and feline darted across the road in front of my headlights, I could see myself coming to the cougar conclusion. Seriously. And so many people do. Brian says his team reviews around 250 sightings per year, but I've only ever confirmed 89, ever. 
I came into this with a lighthearted story in mind, and it is, for the most part. But this deluge of false reports that biologists have to sift through, that takes time, and time is a limited resource. In fact, some of Brian's bosses don't think it's worth it. We're getting pressure not to confirm mountain lions to the extent that we currently do. You know, later, actually, in February, we're having a meeting with the Cougar team and with um, some folks from Lansing to say, is this worth our effort uh, to continue to go through this level of detail? I, 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 in my mind, the answer is yes, um, but I may get overruled on that. So The less trust there is between the experts studying these cats and the folks reporting sightings, the harder it is to keep track of the Cougar's expanding range. Brian says it's best when eyewitnesses and scientists work together. Because he says a time could come in the not-so-distant future when they could be tracking the true return of cougars to the Midwest. I mean, we certainly have the habitat to sustain, uh, I mean, a few mountain lions. I don't think we're ever going to have a really robust population just because um, they have super large territories. But I think, you know, it's, it certainly is in the realm of possibilities. With a creature as elusive as a mountain lion it's never easy to definitively say where they are or where they're going. For now, they live somewhere in this foggy land between myth and migration. Today's story was written and produced by Patrick Shea. It was edited by Morgan Springer. Additional editing from Ed Ronco and me, Dan Wanshura. Music for this episode by Blue Dot Sessions and Dr. Turtle. For more stories from the Great Lakes region, subscribe to Points North wherever you listen to podcasts or visit our website, pointsnorthpodcast.org. And if you're on Instagram, follow us there. We're at Points North Podcast. I'm Dan Wanshura. Until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>